This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Deep to right field, and Nelson Cruz goes to the opposite field to tie the game. His 11th home run of the year, and it's one apiece. High fly, right center field. Going back is Naquin. That ball is gone. He hits flow in right field. In fact, he got a changeup and just clobbered it the other way. Ooh, biggest Twins win of the year, perhaps, last night? So the mm. biggest Twins win of the year. I'll give that some thought. Okay. We'll break a Twins game down. Maybe the Twins' biggest win down like it's a football game. Also, old tweets exposed from Declan. He will oh, throw yeah. us under the bus as he does every single Tuesday. <laughs> I feel like we've probably, now that we've like we've got accountability session on Fridays and old tweets exposed on Tuesdays, I feel like, what's the math there? 40% of the show is just set up to make us look like idiots. Correct. But is there something wrong with that? With that? Probably an accurate portrayal. I was going to say, I have no problem with that, actually. Federated Mutual Insurance Company is uh, one of our partners here at Score North and on the Mackey and Judd Show. We appreciate that, and we appreciate all the help that they've been dishing out to business owners during this pandemic year across the state of Minnesota and beyond. Federated helps you block risks and helps shield you against everyday challenges that could land your business in a tough spot. You can find out more about the resources Federated provides, and you can find out more about your local representative at Federated at federatedinsurance.com. Remember it, Federated Mutual Insurance Company, it's our business to protect yours. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Ball, but I think he went. How did he lay off that? Yes, he did. Splitter in the dirt. Another strikeout. Another 3 2 to Lindor. Got him. Five really good innings tonight again for Kenta Maeda. All right, let's break, let's break a Twins baseball game down like it's a football game. Football. We got reckless speculation to get to. Old tweets exposed. Was that the biggest Twins win of the year? I'm going to say yes. Uh, uh, yes, 100. Oh, oh, wait, 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 wait. It's the football season. Okay, sports dad. Let's Here give Let's go. give this a little bit more thought. Let's okay. give this a little bit more thought because they're you know they they also played very well against Cleveland at, at home. I I would say I would say that was the most maybe that might be the most fun I've had watching a Twins game. And I think the reason is because Sunday was such a piece of crap (laughs) that I actually came back last night and thought, that's a good game. I mean, that's a good game. Can I ask you guys a question, though, to start off with? Okay. Maeda last time out against the Brewers is brilliant, right? 
Like, he's probably going to do that once a year or so. I mean, he's just fantastic off the charts. And then the narrative, at least Fox Sports North Pulse game was, well, Maeda wasn't as good this time around. Oh, we're ripping well, the broadcast. Out of the game. Why, would we, broadcast. why would we expect him to be? You know what? He went on the road yeah. and pitched really well. No, but I mean, the guy pitched really Ordinar- well. Ordinarily, I'm the one that brings the heat on players, or Phil does. But in this case, like... Okay, he didn't pitch as well as he did when he almost threw a no header. Of course, he so, didn't. I'd be honest, I I didn't watch the post game show last night. I was oh, uh, I was early to bed right after the game was it. over. So what was the what was the threat? Was this Lods? Lods was saying this, but he wasn't. Hyatt? But he wasn't really. He was just trying to say he didn't have as good of stuff. But why would you expect him to? That I feel was, like I feel like Lods World Series ring gets bigger every time he's on TV. We're gonna it's gonna be like a giant spaceship on his hand tomorrow night. But, so he he but Maeda almost threw Maeda threw really well. Last night for a road game in, in a situation like that, I thought that was one hell of a good pitching performance. Did, didn't you guys? Uh, yeah. am, am I missing yeah, there's, something? There's, here? No, solid. there's no question. really good. No okay, question. and I thought I he could have thrown six. He threw five. I would have probably put him out there for the six. So that that to me would, if there is a Maeda question, it would be all right. You've already used your bullpen a million times this year. Uh, you're you have at least one, maybe even two rotation spots right now that are just bullpen game. And yeah. and last night, I think a lot of people paused when they saw Maeda just rolling in the middle inning. Seven strikeouts, one run, five hits. He hit the early speed bump and then smoothed it out. 83 pitches through five innings. Why not bring him out there? I love this decision. This is a great, long-term, smart decision by this front office and by Rocco Baldelli. Don't throttle him toward 100 pitches five days after he hit a career high and almost threw a no-hitter. I get that, like... However many pitches he threw, I think it was 115 or 120 pitches in chase of a no-hitter, somewhere in that range. Mm-hmm. The most pitches he's ever thrown in the major leagues. Mm-hmm. I get that it wasn't necessarily 120 high-stress pitches because it wasn't like guys are on second and third and he's got to hulk this fastball over. It was a pretty smooth sailing 120 pitches last time out, but it was still 120 pitches. And and their idea to keep him under 85 or whatever they had in their minds is smart because you need this guy. It no longer matters. Like Throwing a no-hitter would have been cool. This game against the Indians, it's important. It's the biggest win of the season. But if they would have lost it because they pulled him an inning earlier than they otherwise would have, it doesn't like shipwreck your playoff chances. No. Kenta Maeda right nothing, now is your number. Does. He's your number one starter in a playoff series, and he should just be as comfortable and healthy as possible going into the last month. I would have brought so him out to start the sixth. For what purpose? I would have. Well, if it's the biggest win of the season, then it's still important. Correct, but it's I also, would have brought him out to start the sixth. It's and also important from there. to keep him healthy and to not, you know, if you run him out there, you're basically committing. If you pitch him for another full, right. you're committing to 100 pitches. But here's but here's the problem: they they are incredibly predictable in their in how they're going to use their bullpen, which is absolutely fine that part. But they are also predictable in the fact that they are skittish to use guys too much. So so you're starting pitching from here on. It basically right now goes Maeda, Dobnik, Burrios, my fingers are crossed, okay? So my bullpen might become more and more important. And at some point in time, somebody's going to have to pitch more than I want. So I'm just saying I would have brought Maeda pitching like he was out to start the sixth. And then if it starts to go sideways a a bit, take him out from there. Um, If you had a rotation of guys that I could rely on to ordinarily be getting me through five or, or through six right now, I would defer to what you said, Phil, but you can't. And, and at some point, at some point, they're going to have to pick their poison here. Like they're going to be forced to make big boy decisions they don't like. Well, but but I think their formula, like 
Their bullpen, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying this, that this is a small tweak. Baseball is football. Their bull, okay, well, that's fair. Their bullpen football. has been overly taxed. Right. But I would rather overly tax Caleb Thielbar and then send him to like the fake injured list for a week oh. than, than overly tax Kenta Maeda no, but if they're gonna and do- have him unavailable for two weeks or the playoffs. Sure. No, if they're, go- if they're going to start to do that and, and abuse people regularly that they should abuse, <laughs> applaud them. What I'm seeing, though, is a team that really doesn't like to do that un- unless it's hopeless. And then they're like, you know what? Screw Sean Pop and you're going to throw <laughs> you're going to throw five. We don't care. Um, no, if they choose to make the decision based on the people of this, this employee is a pretty good employee, but let's abuse him. Then I am all for it. But I need to see that consistently. Okay, my last case, and then I'll shut up and Declan can break the tie here. But I think if you're if you're on the fence. All right. He's at 83 pitches. We'd really prefer to keep him. Just like ninety, maybe ninety-five tops. I, we don't want him throwing a hundred pitches in back-to-back outings because you just make fun of new, you know, new uh, fangled pitching philosophies all you want. But like Kenta Maeda is not the type of guy that throws a hundred pitches in back-to-back starts. He's just not. Make fun of him, whatever you want. Like it's not a smart move. It's not a smart move. Wouldn't make fun of him. I'm not but, making fun. But of some him. people are. You could man up uh, back in my day. I used to throw 190 pitches on beers and hot dogs. Yeah. Well, Jack and right, Bert Jack did. Yeah. Okay. Right. So to Bert. So if you're on the fence going into the sixth inning, what are you more likely to regret in the sixth inning? Oh, my God. He has. Nah, now he's. Okay. He's, he's, he's like seven pitches into this first batter, and oh, the guy keeps falling pitches off. Already got the out, but now he's at 93, but there's no one on base. Okay. Like, and you let it get away to 100, or you pull him an inning early. Like I think yeah, you're no, much I'm less not, likely to regret I'm not fighting you here. Home. I'm just saying if, if, as we like to break down the minutia of these games, Football. this is just a minute. This is a small point. Okay, this is not a huge the debate. Tie. Leave uh, him in or take him out. Make a mistake. I would have trotted him out for the six. Oh, you guys, I would have trotted him out for the six. Right, but d- with a couple a, of but, dusty bakers, one twenty. We're a, going to one twenty, Dex. But with a quick hook, with a quick yeah, hook, I ready to get him out. And also, Fieldbar comes out, gives up a leadoff double, and I'm thinking, what the hell is Caleb Fieldbar doing in the sixth inning? Of this game, so yeah, he, I was I was a little confused by that to start with from the beginning. I feel like so I I've kind of been in the same boat with Thielbar. Like, oh man, why is Thielbar here in a close game? The guy was like bagging groceries two months ago, but but they they see something in these pitchers. Like he did strike his three outs were strikeouts in that inning last night. He did yes. allow a couple of hits, so he didn't he did have to do some gymnastics to get out of the inning. But the, but they clearly see something in him, and I tend to just trust this front office and their evaluation. So all right, football. Miguel Sano with the big opposite field home run last night. He was one for four with the two run homer, a couple of strikeouts. Which if you are if you hit a ball that far in a spot like that, you can strike out in the other plate appearances. He hit flow. He did. He took flow out. I've never yeah. been more happy. Poor flow, man. Flow. Uh, gonna need a band aid after that one. Where's Jamie? So Miguel Sano is now up to two forty one. He's he's got. I believe his OPS is eight thirty. If my quick math is right here, and he now has extra base hits. Is it eight consecutive games? So Miguel Sano, uh, six home runs, 14 RBIs, and I got dunked on last night oh by so many people because of, and ju- by the way, Judd's in this boat too, but I feel like I put the strong tweets out sometimes and they come back to bite me, whereas Judd might couch the tweet. Yeah, Tuesdays not come back at to the end him. of every show is this the exact reason yeah. why we does exist. And we're going to get to that. Okay. <laughs> so I tweeted out on August 21st, four days ago. Someone said, because he was hot for like four games at that point. Mm-hmm. Do you admit you jumped off the Sano ship a little too soon? First of all, <laughs> this is all relative. Okay? Yeah. 
At no point have I jumped off the Sano ship. In fact, my stance on Sano remains the same, and this is what I responded with. He's a good but streaky power hitter with very few other valuable Major League Baseball skills. He hits bombs in an era where a ton of guys hit bombs. He's not even one of the 10 most important players on the Twins. He's basically, as I said, a right-handed, less durable version of, of Adam Dunn with more strikeouts and probably a better glove at first base. Definitely worth having on the team, but also replaceable. That's my Sano take. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nick Nelson from Twins Daily chimes in. He screenshotted those two. T- it's very easy, by the way, during the hottest week of a guy's life to yes to do this. And he said, this is going to go down in the bad takes Hall of Fame laugh crying emoji. Okay, feed it to me straight, you guys. Is my Sano take, should it be up for consideration for bad takes Hall of Fame? No, most definitely not. And here's what, I, should I apologize to Miguel Sano? No, because because again, your tweets he saw them and it it lit a fire there. Which congratulations. Um, the thing about Sano and his defenders is, I guess I have one question: Where are you when he's old for his last thirty five and struck out thirty four times? Like that's my question: Is you got to you get you got to be both ways here? You got to tell me, hey, look, these strikeouts are great; they're the greatest strikeouts I've seen. These outs are very productive. You don't understand outs. Like, tell me that, and I'll laugh. Um, but no, he is who he is. We, we talked about this yesterday, and when he's going well, he's bound for Cooperstown. And if if they can, if the people on Twitter and the Twins can tell me we have flipped the switch and this is now going to keep up almost all the time, then I'm in. But until then, but nobody, nobody is suggesting, nobody has ever said, and this is where I think people get really, really confused because I don't know if they don't read or can't read, but where people get, where people get confused is the whole like Ortiz thing, right? The insinuation there is I'm so mad at Miguel Sano, I'd release him. No one ever said that. Correct. I got a tweet last night from that, a guy that, correct. that from a guy that I put out a year ago or more that basically said when Sano was struggling, if I could get an ace pitcher, I'd take it. And he sent me a note back saying Thought about this again. I said. Yeah, I said it's a great. I said it's yeah. a great tweet. Like I said I have and thank you and yes I would do this again. And guess yeah. what? Nobody else responded because they all knew I was right. I'm like it's not that big a stretch. If I could take Miguel Sano to market right now and get a true ace, are you kidding me? All right, let me ask you this: Would you would you trade? So Miguel Sano has two. So don't. He has two years team. left on his contract after this year. Okay. Yes. Would you trade Miguel Sano for a month and a half of Trevor Bauer? I would, and I would keep all those prospects. I would keep Brent Rooker. I would keep Trevor Larnick, and I would keep. Wow. Would you trade him? All right, I'll flip it a little bit. Would wow. You, would you center him as a piece? Mind to, blown. To Sorry. The, to the Indians, who are also looking for more <laughs> offense. That means he has to hurt you. Reckless no. speculation. No I, no, I can't do that. Wait a minute. So you would you would give up Miguel Sano for a possible just rental of Trevor Bauer instead of someone like Clevenger Dude. who's under team control for two years or police under control for Dude, four Clevenger's years. Clevenger's the one. So Clev- I want Clevenger's twenty nine years old. Oh, so, so the trade. I'm sorry. Him. So the trade is definitely Clevenger. Okay, Clevenger, I didn't understand. Clevenger. That, so let's let's go down this path. Oh, I right? love it. I love this. So Mike Clevenger. God, this is reckless. Miguel Sano and Mike Clevenger can both be free agents. I believe in 2023. So they both. You're both. Gonna, you're going to get him for like a month in playoffs this year. Okay. And then you're going to get him in 21 and 22. Miguel Sano makes an average of like nine or ten. I don't have his contract in front of me, but I think it's like an it's like an average of ten million dollars per year the next couple of years. Yeah, which actually 
for a guy that's it's a good, good deal. It, it is. It's it's fine. He's like, a good contract. It's not twenty million, and he's going to go. And he's, if he stays healthy, which again he hasn't done yet in his career, if he stays right. healthy for a full season, he could hit forty home runs. Right. He's only hit thirty once, but he's he's got the power to hit forty if he can stay healthy. Adam Dunn style. Um, Mike Clevenger is arbit. He does not sign a contract. He's arbitration next year, so probably like seven or eight million, and then probably like ten or twelve million. So so pretty comparable. Would you trade Miguel Sano for Mike Clevenger? I would in a heartbeat, a hundred percent. In that in that context, if it's Clevenger that I'm getting, if I'm getting what one of their top pitchers, an ace. As much as it would pain me to see him hit his in- inevitable eight home runs against me <laughs> per year, yeah, I think you have to do it. Reckless speculation. And Cleveland's going to come back. They, they're going to need more. I think. Whether it's a lower grade prospect to sweeten the deal, like I don't. Well, you're think, saying Cleveland has to offer more, or the no, Twins no, the would. Twins would. Okay. I don't think Cleveland's. Like, I like Clevenger a lot, but I don't think they're going to just going to take Clevenger for Sano straight up. That's they'd the trick. They'd have to throw in some like a tenth prospect in return to make it a, a good legitimate deal. They're not going to just do Clevenger for Sano. I would. I would. I. I, I want to. What do you do mean? That. I thought. Why, why wouldn't they do Clevenger for Sano? I thought that Miguel Sano was the most valuable well, yeah, on the team. He's, Pick up the phone. The Ask Twitter. Okay. He's, he's, he's the best Twitter would do this trade. Uh, I mean, too negative. I just want to make it clear. Sano has been an incredible okay. asset to this team the last I would, week. Okay, I would rather I would rather do Sano for Clevenger than Sano for Bauer. Oh, for sure, because I could control Clevenger. Oh, yes, and he, he might be an a hole, but but what, I, but, what if, but what if it was but this? Pitch. What if the Reds? And by the way, here's your reckless speculation. Here's your reckless speculation. Twins trade deadline in six days, all right? Your reckless Twins trade speculation. We brought this up briefly yesterday. I told you guys the thing to root for if you're a Twins fan is for the Reds to fall flat on their faces over the next seven days or so. And the Reds play eight games against the Cubs and the Brewers. They were two games out of playoff position going into yesterday's games. They lost to the Brewers last night to drop to 11-16. and 11-16. and 16. If they keep losing, like they should be sellers now. As but if y- they keep losing, will they put Trevor Bauer on the trade block or Sonny Gray, who's Declan's guy? As of yesterday, the Reds were buyers, which is ridiculous. So they're almost going to have to that lose so every stupid. game this week. Now they're off to a good start. They're eleven and sixteen. I, you're not. It's I'm not so arguing dumb. with you. Just I'm telling you. I am telling you right now that teams like the Reds and Marlins right now see themselves as buyers. The smartest team? Reckless speculation. The smartest team going right now? The Baltimore Orioles. Because I guess their GM or uh, president of baseball ops went on Sirius and essentially said, yeah, it's great, right? It's not real. Don't worry about it. <laughs> we are going to be selling. Yeah, They're, uh, The Orioles are 500. They're 500. I know, but, they're G- but, they, but they are Zolgadian in their realization that it's nothing more yeah. than a mirage at this point in time. But the Reds aren't. So the okay, Reds if, the Reds are a problem. So what if the Reds said, all right, this sucks. We've lost like six games in a row. We thought we had a chance for that eight seed. We were just too ambitious. Too ambitious thinking we could be one of the eight playoff teams in the National League. All right, what's your so Bauer trade? We are, we are, we're going to keep a Trevor Bauer trade window open for 10 minutes. You have 10 minutes to answer this. Okay. We're only talking to you, Minnesota Twins. And once 10 minutes are over, like... You don't get access to Trevor Bauer. Okay. You get Trevor Bauer for the rest of the season, then he becomes a free agent. But you have to give us Miguel Sano. Two years of Miguel Sano. I'd do it. I'd do it all day. 100%.
One hundred percent. Oh, I in know. Fact, and, and on and on the list I, of guys like no, Bauer, if I if I was ranking the Reds, win that trade. By the way, yes, like, the Reds win that trade. Yeah, they do. But and, and you can't do it because the season's not real. Uh, real quick, sorry. So Trevor Bauer this season, Trevor Bauer has a one point six five earned run average in five starts. Two of those are complete game shutouts. Think about the Twins can't get a starter past the fifth inning. Yeah, no, he's got Trevor two Bauer has two shutouts. complete game shutouts. He's averaging 13 and a half strikeouts per nine innings. Yep. He is absurd, and he is the he best pitcher into, in baseball right now. So I, I think he had four starts going into last night's game against the Brewers, which the Reds lost, as you said. And I think his ERA was something like 0.65 yeah. going into that one with two complete game shutouts, too. Your rotation going I can into do the, the Clevenger trade because I've got term. See, that's my thing. Is I would do, that I, too, I would do a Sano. There's no option. There's no, no, I'm, I'm not giving you a, a claim. I know you're not. I, I can't do it. I said I, I can't do that. I can't make a trade. Reckless speculation. I can't make a trade to run to make a run at a World Series that's more f- fun in games than real business. Sorry. Dex, you're in? I'm, I'm listening. I'm, I'm, <laughs> no, hold I'm, on. I'm in. No, you're in. No, I'm, I'm out. In. No, you my, can't be mostly in. My point is. If I, Answer the question. <laughs> yes, I'm in. Okay. I'm in. Yes. God, All right. I'm in. But if, Boy, this is tough. But if I'm ranking the guys Matthew who Judd I Court. want between Bauer, Gray, and Clevinger, Bauer is third on that list. And what's Gray's contract? He's got a team-friendly deal, too. Is he under contract for multiple years? Yes. He has a team option, too, built into 2023, so if he completely S's the bed in two years, you can get out. I don't want to get but, out but if this, I just made a big but trade this equation, But this equation does not include Clevenger no, or I know, Sonny Gray. It, I know. Is, it is you have one opportunity. Sonny Gray makes $10.1 million this season and for the next two seasons, and then a $12 million team option in 23. If it's just Trevor Bauer for two and a half years of Miguel Sano. You're doing it. I'm in. We're going to win twins. How We're going to score. How many home runs? It's such a dumb trade. Like it's, Which Sano hit in that ballpark? All of them. Great American them. Ballpark is a band box. It would solidify his status as the modern-day right-handed Adam Dunn. Who I believe played quite a while with the Reds, right? Yeah, he was a Reds superstar. In fact, I believe the he Great American the Ballpark is the stadium that Adam Dunn christened. Really? They okay. opened that stadium. There you go. And then like Miguel the would fit power. right in. It would fit yeah. your narrative perfectly. So I think, just to put a, a wrap on this, listen, like he is, as we have talked about, he is a prolific power hitter when he is on and when he is healthy. He also only once in his career ha- has been on or healthy enough to hit 30 home runs. So the question has never been, when he's on, can he hit home runs and do damage offensively? Absolutely he can. That's not the criticism. The criticism is everything outside of what he's done in the last week. So I, I just it's like it just drives me nuts when we can't have these nuanced conversations about a guy like Miguel Sano and the same, th- it was the same conversation with Joe Maurer, too, just like apples to oranges. Well, he doesn't hit for power. It's like, okay, but he adds this, 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 this. And Miguel Snow is like the inverse of Joe Maurer. Well, he hits for all this power. You're an idiot. It's like, right, but he also is one of the two or three most uh, prolific strikeout batters in baseball history, which does matter. It mm-hmm. does matter because you're reducing your chances to get on base, to hit for average, to drive other runs in. He's relegated. He's gone from shortstop to third. Now he's playing first base, and he can't stay healthy. Like, those are all valid criticisms. So, I don't know. Like, why can't we be nuanced? That's just my... I'm, I'm because there's a, passion, there's, there's a passion about this guy that takes it to a uh, level of conversation that I don't get. But I just don't get why we also... Where, where do the people go when he can't hit? 
they wait for him to hit. Like <laughs> they, but they just they, wait. And, but, and then they but, chirp. But yeah, but it's a very. But you can't. That's not real life, man. Got to have it both ways. Yeah. You got to be when he's not playing well. Be hard on him, and when he's playing well, have fun with it. Goes both ways. Like it's like your. It's like your kids. If your kids screw up, you discipline them, right? It's not like, hey, Johnny, that's okay. You crashed the car. Let's uh, get. Let's talk again when you pass a class. And I would say too that like sometimes it, it's yeah. so easy to ride the wave of a player. What I'm telling you is like I've watched six years of this guy. I know that his wave right now is going up. I totally get that. I'm telling you yeah. that his last week does not like overturn six years well, of who he is and, as a player. And I will say this. So so terrible start followed by a great streak. And this applies to him and a few guys too. I want to see this in the playoffs. Like that's where you turn the corner. He's one for twelve in the playoffs. But if you're gonna, offensive. but I'm saying I and I, the competition and the teams are probably going to or most certainly will improve. But the next time that I want to have this, oh my god, this is real for sure, is the playoffs, not AL Central bleeping games. I think that's very. I think it's very fair at this point in his life to ask him. You get to October. Let's see this. Yes, I, I think that's that. a fair ask. I agree with that. Yeah. All right. What else from last night? Football. Game. Can I talk? Can I t- tell you guys about a? I think a misconstrued tweet of mine, and it's a talker from last night's game, and I absolutely love this. I love that we're doing this podcast just for the people on Twitter. Right but now. I made an yeah. observation. No, but I made an no, no, no. But I mean, this is fa- this is this isn't an unfair observation by me, and it's not an unfair response because I didn't pass judgment, good or bad. I just tweeted last night after I believe so Sergio. Romo gave up a double to Tyler Naquin to start the eighth, and he backed up third base. And then they showed him turning around, and somebody in the Cleveland dugout, I think it said something to him, and so he responded back, and they were jawing back and forth. And then as uh, he got the next three outs, we saw some type of exchange, and he was PO'd, and he was yelling, I think, at Naquin and the dugout. Anyway, long story short, um, given what transpired against the Royals and then Cleveland— I tweeted something along the lines of he's either going to get a teammate hit or start a brawl. And it was just a observation. People responded with like, yeah, well, that's good. That That's a great thing. To be clear, I think that Sergio Romo's passion, and he's a funny guy, and I think he's a smart guy. I think his passion, though, for a Twins team that strikes me as laid back, Rocco is, right? Nelly Cruz, which is also fine. I think the passion that Romo brings to his job is awesome. I'm just saying that he's probably going to get the Twins in a brawl. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I I sort of like it. Um, But it's just interesting that first the Royals and now Cleveland he's gotten in spats with. But I applaud it. Keep it interesting, Sergio. This is the stare down. Got it. Romo left at second base, and he looks over his shoulder. Well, look in their dugout. See, told you. So, all right, I uh, I think he's also probably going to start a brawl. I'm I'm actually kind I'm kind of okay. With, I'm, I'm not okay with the brawl, but I'm I'm okay with him staring into dugouts. Yeah. Think about when you watch an NBA basketball game, for instance, and like Chris Paul does this all the time. You ever watch Chris Paul, even against the Timberwolves, like a crappy Timberwolves team? Yes, I have. Chris Paul will like stare down the Wolves this. bench. It's hilarious. Yep. So NBA players all the time will hit dagger shots and like you know they'll they'll pull the jersey over to expose their heart like their chest mm-hmm. and they'll stare down opposing benches. 
Remember when Allen Iverson, 20 years ago in the NBA Finals, hits a three-pointer in the corner over Teron Liu, steps over him and looks at the Lakers bench as he's walking down the baseline or down the, the sideline. It happens all the time in football, too, where a guy will make a big play, turn to the other bench, pound his chest, like, come on, like, keep throwing at me. Xavier Rhodes used to do it all the time. And the reaction in the NBA and the NFL is, oh, yeah, it's part of the game. This is great. We're chirping back and forth. Now, now I'm going to get you, and I'm going to chirp back at your bench, and it's just all part of like the fun and games of the NFL and the NBA, and no one really takes it super personally. Like It's just part of the competition. Sure. Major League Baseball, if you so much as like look at a home run too long, or God <laughs> forbid do what Sergio Romo's doing, which is like thump his chest while looking in the opposing dugout, the response isn't, oh, it's great, yes. Guys are getting fired up. Let's see what happens the next inning. It's, you better watch your back. <laughs> Yeah. You're going to put your hitter You're in right. a bad spot. Your hitter's going to take a fastball to the ribs. Like, <laughs> right. no, let's let's just leave it at. <laughs> he's going to die. This is great. This is fun. I'm going to kill him. He's 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 emotional. These are two top notch teams that have a chance to win the World Series and that have been in a rivalry for the better part of like 20 years. And he's looking into the dugout because he hears some chirping and he got the best of them. Like, that's it. It doesn't need to be anything more than that. Oh, it's disrespectful. No, it's fun. It's great. great. It makes baseball more fun. His, his passion, though, I think is good, right? Because It's, it's because great for this, this team. This is a laid-back team, and there's nothing wrong with that, but I like the fact that they got a guy who will come in. and I mean, he doesn't shut up, but okay, that's fine. It's sports. It's supposed to, again, see... again, it's supposed to be fun. It's all supposed to be fun. Reckless speculation is fun. Did you see when he went back to the dugout, and I didn't see who he was talking to. Like the Indians had come back yes. out, or like I think it was the Indians' He's first base coach or something. Yes, or no, it would have been the Indians in the field. So, so the first base, I don't know, first baseman, whatever. He's still talking it. He's at chirping, them. and Miguel Sano and somebody else. So he's kind of like sitting at the steps of the dugout, and Miguel Sano and somebody else are just like tapping him on the shoulder, like, dude, just all right, we're good. Yeah, they like, like just, massaging him. They were like, like, calm down, like, calm down. They were like trying to move him out away. Yeah, <laughs> they finally got him to go back in the clubhouse. Yeah, but he Dick brings said, a great personality to this team for sure. Dick said that during the commercial break, Rocco came over and tried to calm him down first too. Yeah, but that's the thing about him that I sort of like. Like they're all like, oh, dude, no, no, no. Let's be quiet. Let's be classy. He's like, no, I'm going to talk. And, and he tweeted today that basically he, he said in his tweet something along the lines of, "I wish the cameras and mics could pick up more so that." You could basically hear who starts it. Yeah, but I see. As a sports fan, I like this stuff. So he's insinuating that the Royals and the Indians have both been well the Roy- chirping him while he's pitching. So, so it's all perception. But he's not wrong. Okay, Casey and I like this too. When Casey was here, because they're sort of young and they're not they're not a bad team now, but they're not that great. Their dugout didn't shut up. Like, they're chirping the whole game. And yeah. part of it's just, like, clapping and, you know, trying to have fun. It's not like a anti-twins thing. But they didn't shut up. And so I think Sergio's thing was he struck out Soler to end that game. And then I think he's like, shut up, sit down, shut up. Okay, so it's just going back and forth. But, Phil, to your point, this is the whole baseball thing. Part of the fun of not having fans is hearing dugouts, and they some talk a lot. But is there something wrong with that? Like, is there something we should we? Why aren't we acting like we're in church? So I'm not criticizing anybody for chirping and having fun because it makes the game to me more interesting. Like how many times in the NBA you watch? You know these games are being played in the bubble right now. These these first round playoff matchups. How often do you see a guy like? 
block a shot out of bounds, bump his chest, and say, and just like literally stare at the other guy and say, mm-hmm. like, "Don't bring that bleep into my house." And then they'll chirp back, and then they okay, and, the, and then it's over. Right. It's just it's part of the fabric of the game, and I just don't think I think the the baseball old school gatekeepers and the unwritten rules guys have tried to suppress showing emotion. And so now I love that guys like Fernando Tatis Jr. come in, hit a grand slam, walk it out of the box when you're up by seven runs. Then steal a base get, the next get day. Get criticized My and then favorite. steal third That's base the greatest. next day just to say, screw you. I'm love here. It. Yeah. Yes. So uh, I got one other thing for Football. you off last night's game. I wouldn't sound the alarm by any means oh, no, here. No, but no, please do it. The Twins have played please do it. multiple close games. And they've done a really good job keeping this guy. He's only pitched back-to-back once, and it was August 10th and 11th. So they've done a good job of just trying to make sure that he's not pitching in back-to-backs, just keep his arm fresh throughout the season. Uh, But uh, he last pitched on August 22nd in a win against Kansas City. Yep. And then did not pitch on the 23rd, so he had a day off. So last night would have been coming off of a day rest. And I thought he was going to close. In a close game. Against a really good team, yes, with sir. Four relief innings up for grabs, and Tyler Duffy did not pitch. Yes, please sound it. Just want to know where's Tyler Duffy? So, where's Tyler Duffy? So, I astutely thought that I wow. took to Twitter. <laughs> Humbly, astutely thought. I astutely thought over a reliever. He's going to close because yeah, you know Rogers had closed on, a on Sunday, and I'm like Rocco. The thing that I love about Rocco is this. As best I can figure, Rocco Rocco is like being in a marriage. After about a year plus, you know exactly what he's going to do. Like there's no he's going to go to bed at the same time, he's going to watch the same damn shows. Like I'll be honest, I didn't know he was going to bring Adrianza's 4.30 OPS yeah. in as a straight okay. pinch hitter he does surprise. for Alex Avilo. That Why was, not just let Ryan Jeffers hit in that spot? That was going to be my point. That was weird. He's starting to surprise me, and, and I'm shocked. <laughs> like, I thought Duffy would close because Rodgers had pitched on Sunday. Uh, yeah, some of his pinch hitting decisions are sort of weird at times. And why burn Adrianza? Like, why not just go right to Jeffers as a pinch hitter and then keep Adrianza alive as a potential defensive I, replacement yeah. later? That I have was no, super weird. I don't. I have no idea. I have no clue. But anyway, I, I like to think when it comes to Rocco that I know exactly what I'm going to get, and I'm finding sometimes I don't, which which surprises me. Well, Taylor Rogers back to back. I think we looked up. I think these were career. His, they were not his, good. His back to back ERA is like seven and a half or something. Yeah, he's just not good in back to backs. He hasn't been good. Period. This season. And Tyler Duffy could have most definitely closed that yeah. game out. He was facing Unless. the the best part of the. Of the Indian lineup, wrong. so Taylor Rogers, great job getting your seventh save of the season last night. I just would, I was just wondering why Tyler Duffy, four innings of relief there, he's your best reliever. It's a close game against the Indians. You should demand answers. You don't wonder. Go ask what the hell's going on. Why didn't Tyler Duffy pitch? It, my it's career, a very good point. my career asking post game questions ended in 2013. I put in my four years asking baseball post game questions. So I will not be hopping. On I did that not soon. jump on the Zoom call last night. Um, can I? Can I throw in one more? Just a, I'd like to start a a low level campaign here. Like I just want to keep it in this room for right now. But we are thirty games in, and I think there might not be precedent for this. If there is, it's very rare. Um, can I mention Nelson Cruz and MVP in the same sentence? Yes, you can. And I know he's a 100% DH. You can. And I know it's odd, but my God, 
This man is on the precipice of chasing a triple crown. Yes. Okay, I, I'm going to go full Fox Sports North here. This guy is is potentially going to chase a triple crown. He is 40. I feel like it's a little hypocritical for you to bring up Nelson Cruz and Triple Crown while also, like, on the other side of your mouth saying the season doesn't matter and you wouldn't celebrate a World Series because it's no. 60 games. No, I'm, I'm just going to throw that out there. No, you are not wrong. What I'm saying is, and I think I think in 162, I don't think I would argue for a DH to get this award. But given the parameters of what we are dealing with, I think that there is at least a case, the start of a case. How about that? For in a 60-game season, which is incredibly short, for an odd position, DH, to win an MVP, when you think about if you took this guy's bat out of the lineup, and it's one that is not the Bomba squad of 2019, this is not that team. They're not that team at all in some ways. Um, not that they're bad, but they certainly aren't as productive and or scary as they were consistently a year ago. I think that there is a. I think we can start the case to at least talk about Nelson Cruz as being the 2020 short season American League yeah, MVP. I agree with that. I also uh, agree with this. I think I brought this up a couple weeks ago. It's even even more official now that he is the greatest hitter in Twins history. I'm not saying over a ten year stretch. Just saying since he's been a Twin, a year. It's and an interesting. Yeah, he's the greatest hitter in Twins history over the stretch that he has been a Twin. And you can't really even Harmon. Like the only debate would be like if you brought longevity into play, and that's fine. Like obviously Harmon Killebrew is one of the greatest power hitters of all time, and spent was it twelve years or something in a Twins uniform. Kirby Puckett spent fourteen years in a Twins uniform. He's a great hitter. Neither one of those guys ever did anything like this over a one hundred. Well, what is it like a one hundred fifty game stretch? Whatever it's been for him. It's ridiculous. Like this dude is. Yeah, I'm not going to rip it. And he's not just feasting on bad ball pitchers and like number five starters. He's taking like Trevor Rosenthal is back to being Trevor Rosenthal. He's taking Trevor Rosenthal deep, 450 feet. You know, he's making good pitchers sweat. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I I knew I I know I said I was done talking about Sano on the show here, but sometimes Miguel Sano will just like feast on the Royals and number five starters, and then when a real pitcher comes in, like you face in the playoffs, he just has no chance. That's not Nelson Cruz. Nelson Cruz will make legit pitchers shake. The home run last night was a work of art. Apo. Well, and 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 they're purposely smartly pitching him away, right? And yeah, he, but he can hit that. And he's not he like, oh, what am I going to do? I am Mr. Pitcher. I'm in trouble. He's like, bleep this. Yeah, he's amazing. And he damn near hit two Apple last night. So Football. that's a. Let's break into Twins game down like it's a football game. Reckless speculation from the opponent's side. Um, I'm not going to be surprised if the Twins don't make a move by 3 o'clock Monday. Cleveland has to. They've got to go get Reckless speculation. Their offense is is far too feeble. I, I think I saw a stat going into last night's game. I believe their collective outfield is hitting like 193. Well, who are some of these guys? Like, who's this? Who's this? this Mike guy? Freeman? Mike Freeman. Who the hell is Mike County Freeman? County attorney turned baseball player? <laughs> yeah, not the same guy. Jordan Luplo? It's not that hard to find left fielders, is it? Just go, there's, there's like literally 15 left fielders on the market well, but every that's, offseason. But that's the point. Is is My guess is they have to make a trade there. It's crazy. Something like that, right? And then they've got who's this other guy? Well, Tyler Naquin, who's he's been around, kind of a fourth outfielder type. Greg uh-huh. Allen, yeah, Greg Allen, their center fielder, guy. yeah. But they're going to have to make a trade. 
Like, they have to. Yeah, Greg, Greg Allen. They don't pose God. They don't pose an offensive threat right now, basically. Like, they've got three guys, right? Uh, yeah, they have. Carlos Santana. And those three guys are Lind- really, really good. Lindor. So Greg Allen has been okay. a major leaguer for like four years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, on base percentage below 300. It's really bad. It's really bad. That's why maybe you uh, pick up the phone. Twins have a surplus of offense. Cleveland's got two pitchers that they can off the uh, roster. Can Snow play left? I mean, he's tried to play right before. Why not try him? Who is the okay? Dumb question here. So they got Carlos Carrasco, who's you know first base DH type. Santana. Santana. What did I say? Oh, Carrasco. Carrasco, Carrasco sorry. Pitcher. Pitcher. Great. I would actually trade for him too. Yeah, he's great. Um, who is their regular DH? Franmil. Franmil. But Franmil can play some outfield, kind of. It's a butcher contest between him and Miguel. Probably. I'm just try. trying to find a spot for Miguel. Like if you no, move Franmil to, well, to right field or something and put Miguel in. First base, Carlos Santana. I think you could move Fran Mill to left, and he'd probably drop balls, but, you know, you'd score 18 minutes. Speculation. Sorry, Dex, what? I mean, Santana's, I think, just a free agent after this year, so he and he's 34, even though he's still great. I love Carlos Santana. He's honestly one of my favorite players in baseball. Me too, because he, he hits 200, but gets on base at like a 500 He'll clip. walk 100 times and hit 20 home runs. He's great. Um, Owns Glenn Perkins, too. That was always a theme. Oh, it was. That's right. Wasn't it, wasn't it Carlos Santana that just owned Glenn Perkins? That's amazing. I don't remember. Joe doesn't remember. If you, if I were, all right, it's more reckless no trade speculation for you. And tell me if this is too much. Sure. Okay. Reckless speculation. Because I don't think Cleveland's just going to do straight up Miguel Sano for Mike Clevenger. I'm bringing this back around. Would you do Johan Duran and Miguel Sano for Mike Clevenger? Johan Duran is your second best pitching prospect. He's number five in your organization. No, I'm Cleveland's going to come back and say, "I need some type of pitching prospect that's too much. to that's, replace that's, that." That's, that's your, but that's your best pitching prospect. No, I, I, no, I don't do that. I can't do that. I would give him a pitching prospect, but I'm not going to give them. Listen, we feel a certain way about Miguel Sano. The league and fans feel a different way. Right. I'm going off of what mm. the league and fans feel about Miguel Sano. I picked up the phone. I'm offering Duran and Sano for Clevenger right now. Oh, I, uh, have right you, now. you know what? You know what? How you long have I told you to stay away from drinking? Demon alcohol. You know this thing will How about yeah. reckless trade speculation? For the love of God! We are always stuck in the same rut. You just traded away you your second pitcher prospect. You have to hoard. You can't, you can't trade this prospect. They, oh, but we can't do it. They traded Oh, but we have, we have to get this good ace. Oh, but we can't give up this fifth prospect. Make up your mind I'm and pull the you. trigger on a GD trade. I'm disowning you as my sports trade son. You make. We're done. We're this done. Is the trade you get make. out of my house by I, six o'clock I'm not, tonight. I'm not going to disown Dex. I like where Dex is going here. In general, I agree with his. Uh, this, but Sano and Duran. I'm just saying. Dex's philosophy of being aggressive to target sure. a franchise-changing pitcher Which is, is, is the right thing to do. And my, my worry with Clevenger would be, it's, it's very, see, he's a veteran pitcher, and, it's, and he made a mistake during COVID. And to me, it was very obvious that Actually, there had been other things. It was things. a mistake. He basically flipped his teammates to the bird. Well, but, but what I'm saying is, I don't think if that's like the only thing that you've done wrong to ruffle feathers, yeah, no, I, don't, good. I don't think you get booted from the clubhouse. I think there's some clubhouse cancer there that had built up to boot him from the club. I don't think, oh, man, you did this thing and you're just oh, off the team be, now. He'll be back. That's he'll great. be back there. This is great stuff. Reckless speculation. I would trade a prospect, but I, I would probably I would probably want to trade Cleveland a prospect with Sano in that deal who's not on the 60-man that is either here or uh, St. Paul. So can't you do player to be named later and just give him You know, i got to find that out. i got to find that, that out if you can do a player to be named and have that player not be playing right now 
and then name the player in December. In fact, you know what? I'm, I'm going to guess you probably can't, that they probably put a loophole I'm, on that. But I'm going to send a text and find out if I can. You could also just like. It's a good question. You know, semantically, you could just float them. If you can't do it now, you could just say, all right, we'll just like do a different trade in two months and just like we'll float you a prospect or something. But then you're relying on someone's word. Right. I don't trust anything. I don't guys. like that. Yeah, so. I, I'm not trading Duran, though. Sorry. I think Duran's going to be good. Mm. Hey, quick shout out real quick to PodMN, the new app that allows you to discover local Minnesota podcasts. There's all kinds of Minnesota sports podcasts in addition to the Score North podcast that you can discover through PodMN. It's free to download in the Apple Store and in the Google Play Store. And you can check it out by just searching PodMN. Not only can you discover local podcasts, but you get rewarded for the longer you listen to those local podcasts. So put that on your smartphone and check out the uh, the brand new PodMN app. <laughs> you like that? You like that? All right, most important Vikings thing here on the show, Mackie and Judd. And if you want deeper Vikings discussions, and we're going to get into deep Vikings discussions here, but there's just been so much juicy twin stuff. Uh, but Vikings training camp is underway, and we have a daily Viking show on uh, Apple, Spotify, and scorenorth.com. Or if you want the video version of it, you can find us on youtube.com slash scorenorth, talking Vikings on Purple Daily. So, Judd, the most important Vikings thing today, they sent out a release, and this is not really surprising, but it's official now. They will not have fans at, at uh, of any kind in any number inside U.S. Bank Stadium for the first two home games, including that opener against the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, so it, it's uh, September 13th. They uh, play their first game of the season against the Packers at home, so no fans there. Uh, September 27th, I believe, then they play host to the uh, Tennessee Titans, and no fans at that game. Now, the Titans game, I got to be honest. It's not that the Titans are terrible. It's that it's an AFC opponent, and and does not ha- having your home fans in a potentially loud stadium hurt you a bit in that case? Absolutely. Uh, but the Packer game, to me, a big deal. Because the Vikings then go back and play Green Bay um, in Green Bay later in the season. I think there's some question by that point if the Packers will have at least some fans yeah. in their stadium by that point. Um, and this means that the earliest of the Vikings could have fans in attendance at a game would be their third home game of the season, which is October 18th against the Falcons, because after that Titans game, they go play back-to-back games on the road. Uh, but I really think that not having fans at that Packer game is a big deal, because I will go back to saying that the Vikings, the Vikings' biggest advantage, I think it's not even close, at home, is their fans. I mean, they, they play on turf, which is fine. But it's not like they can use the cold, or it's not like there's some weird thing about the stadium. It's the noise. And so if the Vikings are going to play the Packers with basically just a baseline white noise, to me, advantage Packers big time. Yeah, I mean, I I actually think it's a bigger problem for the Vikings in the home games against inexperienced quarterbacks, in which there's really only two, and they're not till December. If they play empty stadium games against Gardner Minshew and whoever's court, well, if it's if it's Mitch Trubisky quarterbacking the Bears, and he's not even really young anymore, but he's just sort of easily flustered. He can't win that easily job. Easily flustered Kenny. quarterbacks. He can't win that job. He won't have it by December twentieth unless Nick Foles is hurt. You don't trade for Nick Foles. But I just don't know how much the noise has impacted Aaron Rodgers. I think obviously, like the biggest thing would be just snap counts. If you can go up to the line of scrimmage because it's right. quiet. And you can dictate snap counts and maybe draw the opposing defense offside. That's a huge advantage on the road that just doesn't really happen. Maybe inside that Chargers soccer stadium it happens where you can actually like give a snap count on the road. Um, but yeah, it's definitely, man, when you look at the schedule, 
Not only are the Vikings, as we talked to Mike Sando about last week on on Purple Daily, not only are they facing the toughest slate of opposing quarterbacks, they they, they face like Hall of Fame quarterbacks in. I want to say like one out of every four or three games. When you look at Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, and I mean it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Drew Brees and even Matt Ryan, who's probably not a Hall of Famer, but might be. Um, Deshaun Watson, who knows like where that guy's career is headed. So without any of the the crowd noise stuff, they face a ridiculous schedule of quarterbacks. And then you add on top of it, they don't get the home field advantage of crazy off the you know U.S. And their Bank defense Stadium gets a big boost sound. from that. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So it's just kind of. I almost feel like you know, Vikings fans, you just kind of brace yourself. This is not nothing is shaping up to like. <laughs> wait, wait, hold on. Fall a in your favor. Sound the alarm. Sound the alarm. If you're warning them, you better sound that alarm. Yeah. Just saying. I think we all have to go in six with very and ten, six re- and ten. <laughs> I wouldn't say six and ten, but I would say like seven and nine, eight and eight. It it kind of feels like you just have to brace yourself for this not to be the best year, and don't overreact and like want to fire Mike Zimmer right away. Let's <laughs> he's got through contract; he's fine now. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Eh, we'll see. <laughs> but is, does it feel like is there any path to like? Oh, they're going to be twelve and four at this point with no crowd inside the stadium, all these tough quarterback games. Like they've got a three-game home stretch later in the year against Dallas, this Carolina, feels like Jacksonville. Such a weird year, Phil. This feels like such a weird year. I I don't I don't know what I think about this league as a whole right now. Like we, I still believe, and, and I, I know that the uh, early testing during training camp has been very positive of players, but I still believe that we're going to have outbreaks. I I think I think it's naive to think that we're not going to, and it might not be the Vikings, but you know, there's going to be some teams, right? On a Sunday that suddenly just can't play, or yeah. quarterbacks. So, I will state my case for football that I've stated for baseball, um, basketball, and hockey, and that's this. I'm glad they're playing. It gives us a lot to talk about. It's good for us. I welcome sports. Do I think that you can make a coherent analysis of what things mean in 2020 in sports? Absolutely not. But that doesn't mean I don't want them. To be very clear, yeah. just because I can't do it does not mean I'm I'm going to sit down and watch games and it's going to be great. Do I expect them to be really well played and normal? No, I don't. Okay, do you guys want Fox to put fake fans in the stadium? No. no. It's, Go it's terrifying. It's literally terrifying on the LNB broadcast. I love what hockey did with just like putting these banners down of either the NHL logos or corporate yeah. sponsors. Do that, dude. I'm cool with crowd noise. Totally cool with crowd noise. Yeah. I actually kind of like it. Do not put the fake fans in there. It is no. super creepy. It's, like it's it. a horror movie watching some of these well, baseball games on Fox. But explain the national this. Games. Explain this. Why don't you abort mission when you realize that you can't have the fans uh, show up in every angle? Because you can't. Like if they're shooting, I believe if they if they do the traditional shot from center field through the pitcher, there's no fans behind home plate. Just the cutouts. But then if the ball gets hit, you get the fans. Are we going to do cutouts inside U.S. Bank Stadium? Cutouts, maybe Probably. cutouts behind Probably. You know, the goalposts? Yeah. It'd be kind of fun. Have I you, guess so. Phil, have you seen the Thunderdome thing that they're doing for WWE? Yes. So, so Judd, they... I love it. So they, they took, like, the wrestling ring. So they were performing in, like, just a little performance center. And they were allowing some fans in with, like, barricade glass. Like, it was it was kind of creepy. It looked I, like prison. And I don't think it was fans. I think it was just, like like... Performance center wrestlers, yeah, that so are like, like unknown wrestlers in the bubble and probably not real fans. So now what they did is they made this thing called the Thunderdome, and it's basically LED screens of virtual fans around the ring. Yes, and, so they, they rented out an arena somewhere, yeah. somewhere in Florida, I think. 
They rented out an arena, and they set up, like Dex said, like these big screens all around. Imagine the basketball court, or yeah. in this case, the ring. Yep, like in soccer. And so dude. when you're watching a wrestling match inside the Thunderdome, like SummerSlam was on Sunday night and Raw was last night, it's just like all of the faces of people in the crowd, but they're on screens. Like giant iPad, like giant And you monitors. do like this. I like it for wrestling. I think I like it, it might be a little bit. Yeah. It's probably really hard to put together for football because you you have literally three weeks to put it together. Yeah. So, but and but you no, to put together all no fake fans. It's yeah, it's, it's bizarre looking. It's not attractive. It doesn't help me. Like I don't enjoy so it. So if they were attractive fans, you would be no, inclined to it. If they if the technology was up to date to make it look super real consistently, I wouldn't care. I got to think that, but there, it's not. that there's better technology than whatever Fox is using down the left field line in these it, national games. It looks like Fox bought, bought some type of machine from 1986 or something, and like, this is no, good enough. Actually, it looks like 90s video game audience. Sure, yes. it just doesn't, it looks old. It's like you're playing like, you know, one of the first iterations of Madden. And... Yeah, it looks like AAA Baseball 2001. <laughs> it it's like, that's what it looks like. It's a good one. So That's your most important Vikings thing of the day here, and uh, daily Vikings conversations in depth and camp updates over at purple daily the podcast and youtube.com slash purple or slash score north i should say and also we have our own mackie and judd youtube channel that i believe is up close to 400 subscribers the the, the score north youtube channel is up almost to nine thousand subscribers Ooh. so thank you everybody for uh for jumping on these youtube channels youtube.com slash mackie judd for write that down for action movie rewind some of our wolf speculation from the last week or two about devin booker and ben simmons but I think it's time we jump into some old tweets exposed. I'm so excited for this because it sounds like it's going to be brutal. You know, somebody, just since we're doing our show pretty much centered around people chirping at us on Twitter, somebody chirped me this morning about my Miguel Sano take and said, you know, it's okay to admit when you're wrong sometimes. I said, buddy, Tuesdays, old tweets exposed, Fridays, accountability session. I think we admit that we're wrong more often than any show in the country yeah, at this point. So we, really do. we can't escape our bad takes here. On Mackie and Judd. So Declan goes into the archives. Judd and I have been tweeting since 2009. There's a lot of potentially bad tweets out there. And Declan brings them to the forefront every single week. Okay, so both you and Judd's tweets correspond with one another. They're they're close in dates and they're on the same topic. So we're going to start with Phil and then we'll go to Judd's. Okay. So this is Phil's tweet. I'll try to zoom in a little bit here. Oh, yeah. I saw this last week. You found this from last weekend. Wow. 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 Yeah. You know what? Phil and I were doing shows. That <laughs> I might now, still do this. <laughs> now, this exactly. This is not necessarily a bad tweet, but looking back on it, you asked, Twins acquire Chris Archer, Rays acquire Miguel Sano. I know what mine is. Who now. says no? Well, for starters, the Rays said no, who then put uh, put him to Pittsburgh, I believe. And Chris Archer's kind of been a disaster in Pittsburgh. A lot of good stuff. He has that Jose Barrios Liriano disease where his stuff is amazing, but. He can't figure out how to throw strikes and, and, and throw it around the plate. But Phil says, Twins acquire Chris Archer, Rays acquire Miguel Sano. And there are some, some replies. Should we see some of these replies down here? Please do. All right, let's do it. We started this whole conversation. You did? Oh, yeah. What does Archer's contract look like now? There will be a free agent after 2021. Archer's nerves make me Corey. more... Makes me more than eight and a half million a year. Archer is a stud. Corey loved that. He, he was a stud. What, what year did we bring this up? 2017? And he, yes. was, okay. he was really good. Yeah, and they were going to trade him when we knew it. Okay, so Chris Archer, by the way, just underwent surgery a oh, month wait. or two ago for thoracic outlet syndrome, which is what Ooh. basically ended Phil Hughes' career. Yeah, oh, that's the rib right there. Move part of your rib. Yeah, it's like some sort of rib, like Roger upper... Minneapolis. 
If I'm Falvey, I do that deal today. Sunil's health will be a constant concern slash problem due to his inability to push himself away from the dinner table. <laughs> Tom, He's gotten in better shape since 2017. Our buddy so. Tom Roller, who's been on Write That Down, says no. No. Oh, Adam me. says no. Hell no. Hell no. Yep. My baseball card. So here, here's the thing. <laughs> so he get, he did get traded by the Rays in 2017 or, or 18. He got traded to the Pirates. Terrible trade by the Pirates. I mean, the Pirates were like, it was super weird that they would trade away young, good players yeah. for an established pitcher when they weren't ready to win. Now, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh at one point, five or six years ago, was sort of a forward-thinking progressive front office. I think they've kind of eroded. I would have been curious to see in 2017, at the time of this reckless speculation, if the Twins front office would have gotten their hands on that version of Chris Archer. How would it have played out? Because mm-hmm. last year he kind of struggled and he was injured and now he's under. It's like injury kind of derailed this thought now. Mm-hmm. But that's the risk you run too with pitchers and that you might be trading for a guy that needs thoracic outlet surgery or something or Tommy John surgery. So this was a bad tweet. In retrospect, Chris Archer has been bad. But the premise we, of it, trading drove, Sano for an ace pitcher. We, we drove that conversation oh. into the ground, but it was a great reckless speculation conversation. Speaking of driving that conversation into the ground. I think I know what it's going to be. Mr. Judd Zolgad. It is. I saw this last so weekend. So about three or four months later, I'm serious. Oh, no. Rays reportedly want a package that starts with Kepler. And if I'm the twins, I'm asking what else do they want? Wow, dude. So Archer for Kepler. Plus more. And more. And more. And more. (laughs) And a prospect. But you know what? My partner has long told me, Judd, you can always find corner outfielders. You can. Although Kepler's really good. Kepler's pretty damn good. Boy, that's a tough one. Um, well, it's not tough. Like that would have been a bad trade. That would have been a bad trade. That would have been yes. No, that it's a good. It, this is a great tweet exposed. But but the whole premise at the though, time, is they need a top notch starter. Look, look, Declan killed me two consecutive weeks because my Wiggy tweets were awful. Like there's no defending him. I can't be. I, but, but I mean, come on. I mean, I was just flat out at the time stupid. Listen, we were at so least on desperate this one, in 2017-18 for any glimmer. Like, this this is a bad tweet, but at least at the time, it wasn't a bad tweet from my end. The Wiggins tweets at the time were just as stupid then as they were today. I love Greg just dunking on you. Archer's the pitcher the Rays hope to move. Four-plus ERA last two seasons and a 50, 50 oh, the record, 51 60 he's missing. Time. Are you kidding, Judd? But he's missing a comma, so there's a problem with that <laughs> yeah. tweet. Are you kidding, comma, Judd? Oh, boy. All right, well, I'm not alone. Dex, that, oh, no. Dex, nice work. Luckily, this is uh, it, it goes off a different path, but it does involve... You're trying to get Christian Ponder back? Uh, a Twins trade idea from a young sophomore in college, Declan, in 2012. Drunk. No! Twins need to stop floating Revere's name in <laughs> trade talks. Oh, no. Hashtag, oh. what, are you, what are they doing? I love the early Twitter use of hashtags, which, like, hashtags now oh. are used for discovery. Like, you... you and yeah. Twitter, like, people don't even really use hashtags on Twitter anyways. And you know, it's only, like, marketing people use Twitter hashtags yep. now. But back in the day, it was like you could use a hashtag to emphasize your point. What are they doing? What are they doing? So how did you take it when he was uh, dealt to the Phillies? I was very upset. They had just dealt De- uh, Denard Span a week they before. Had, they had, yes. They and were then, trying to get pitching. And then all of a sudden, they were just going to let Ben Revere go. And I liked Ben Revere because he, he modeled my baseball career of no arm, really fast, and only hit singles. Easily concussed. Easily concussed. Good, good, good guy. Good stolen bases. Great dude. Came um, on the show a couple times. Couldn't have been nicer. I bet. And, you know, they got they got Trevor May out of him. So it turned okay. out to be a pretty decent Did you trade. know, though? Okay, so I'm going to give Declan a pass on this one because wow. 
In in Ben Revere's second year in Philadelphia, 2014. God, you've gone soft. Did you know that he led the major leagues in hits oh. in 2014? He batted 306 with 184 hits, which led the league, and he stole 49 bases that year. That could have been a valuable part of those. That's, that was always he stole how many bases? Really good 2014. How many? He stole 49 bases it, in 2014. Anyone steal 49 bases in 2020? Oh. Or 2019, I, I should say. So, 2020 like is not representative. Billy, Billy Hamilton's about the only guy, and he's basically like the sixth outfielder okay. with the Mets right now. I got a question for you, Phil. I got a guardy game to play. Off of this, I got a guardy game to play. Give me the three most nonsensical things. Because Revere definitely fits into this. Give me the three most nonsensical things that Gardy did. Well, one of them involved Revere. So we all remember Ben Revere as having a noodle arm, right? One of the worst outfield arms you've probably ever seen. Yeah. Him and Johnny Damon just it was like, like the kid from Sandlot. Like, all right, so you put it in your hand and you just let go. Once it gets out front, you just let go. So. The Twins had two center fielders on their roster and Denard Spann and Ben Revere. This is like 2011, I want to say, 2012. It's probably 2012. 12 was the last year they were here. So actually, let me let me see this. 2012, I got Ben Revere up here. Defense, standard fielding. So 2012, he played 121 games in the outfield. 84 of them were in right field. So Denard Spann, who had played right field when Carlos Gomez was the starting center fielder in like 2008, 2009 at the Metrodome, and Denard Spann was a great right fielder. People remember good arm, rangy. Like he's he, he was the, a center fielder playing right. It yep. made perfect sense. One of the best defensive right fielders in all of baseball, and had a, a much better arm. He does. He didn't exactly have like you know Dante Bichette nineties arm. He had a. It was fine. Yep, but it was a good enough arm. Yep, and. Ben Revere had a terrible arm that you probably shouldn't even put in center field, quite frankly. He was it's left, like a left field yeah, arm. Yeah, he was left field. And Gardenhire didn't want to make, because Denard Spann had some vertigo issues and some health issues, and I just want to make Denard comfortable. So Denard, we're going to keep him comfortable, keep him in center field, and put Ben Revere in right field. And I swear to God, like, there's probably stats on this. Every time there was a runner on first base and a hit to right field, the runner wouldn't even look to see where the <laughs> ball was. He would just run straight, te- second all the way around to third. First to third, train station with Ben Revere and right field. Super weird guardianism. The other one has to be when Joe Maurer, MVP Joe Maurer, <laughs> would take my, an off day, yes. and you had this ridiculous lineup of like Justin Morneau and Kadire, and I can't remember if Torrey Hunter was still around, but I think he was. And Mike Revin was the backup catcher, and he would fill in for Joe Maurer, not only as catcher, but also as the number three hitter. Yeah. And the right fielder would be playing in, like, just behind the second baseman because Mike Redman was not capable of hitting a ball to the warning track. What's the third one, then? Because I, I would I'll say... the third one. I would say Red Dog hitting third is one. Revere playing right is two. Yeah, the third one's And easy. then what's the third one? The third one is slap-hitting number two hitters that most likely played second base. So, like, Matt Tolbert's going to be in the lineup for some godforsaken reason. And he's got to hit second because he knows how to handle the bat. And by handle the bat, meaning like, oh, he can drop a bunt down, maybe. Right. So Gardy would love to have like, run up to second. And the Twins always had pretty good leadoff hitters, right? Like Shannon Stewart, Denard Span, um, Luis Castillo. They always had guys. And then later on, even like Denard Span went away, and I can't remember. But they always like they always had pretty good leadoff hitters. Mm-hmm. And they always had pretty good middle of the order guys like Maurer, Morneau, Kadire, just guys with some pop. Kubel before he got hurt again. But then there was just an automatic out in the two-hole. Automatic out every single time. Nick did he, Punto in the down years. Did he get the guy from second to third? Because, I mean, that's all I you're guess. worried about. Yeah. Move him over. So Great those, job of hitting. Those are the three guardianisms. That's good. So, uh, I love the first two. Tweets exposed.
That's good, Declan. Trivia question. Since we're talking Ben Revere, how many career home runs did Ben, did ben Revere hit? One. Uh, no, I bet I bet he Higher. hit six. He hit none with the Twins. And, yeah. Seven overall. Hey. hey, nice job. He wound up with, let's see here, he hit three in Philadelphia. He hit one with the Angels. He hit a couple with the Nationals and one with Toronto. What was his last year? 2017. Okay. I don't think he played in the minors. No, actually, I take that back. He played in 2018. He did play 40 games AAA for the Angels, and then he played eight games AAA for the Blue Jays in 2019, but never caught on. Just, just hung it faded up. away. High fly, right center field. Going back is Naquin. That ball is gone. He hits flow in right field. He got a changeup and just clobbered it the other way. We wrap with Royce every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday on the show, and you can find Pat's weekly podcasts. There are three of them, Royce Unchained, Royce on Baseball, which is part of the Scorner Twin Show, and then Monday Night Sports Talk is part of the Garage Logic Network. Uh, Pat, biggest biggest win of the season last night for the Twins? <laughs> well, I guess when you're only playing 60 of them, you could say that. It was. It was uh... I would think if they win tonight, it'll be the biggest win of the season since they're facing Bieber. But, uh, yeah, it was a nice win because, uh, uh, you know, they kind of, Maeda only gave them five. It was good. And then they had to uh, kind of slap the ball tape pen together. Where was Duffy? That's what I want to know, Pat. I was going to ask you that very question. Where do you think he was? Have, I'm nervous. I have I have sent out some inquiries and have not received a response. Uh-oh. So, uh, I, I don't what that could be just hmm. out of my business until they get on Zoom. But, uh, Proper. Mm-hmm. Reckless speculation. Sergio, uh, two nights in or two games in a row, right? And yes. Robo, and Duffy, Duffy no and Duffy. neither of them, right? Rogers, two no games Duffy. in a row as well. Yes, and looked good last night. I thought that was uh, that was that was uh, nice. That's that's what I call a big league save. Uh, people are getting on me. I, I tweeted that out. It's a big league save, and they said, "Well, what what else would it be?" Listen, dummies, there are three displays of competence on a baseball field, right? There's routine, there's good, and there's big league. If you if you hung around old baseball guys, you know, Willie Mays ran back to the fence and caught the ball over his shoulder in the 1954 World Series, and they say, that was a big league play. <laughs> There's nothing nothing higher than a big league play, and that was a big league play. So, uh, you know, because he's facing the part of the order, the only part of their order that makes you nervous, right? Yeah, the top <laughs> from Cleveland. Yeah, that man are are they anemic offensively? Woo. Down at the bottom, man. The last, yeah, their outfield. Their outfield has been, uh, it, it, uh, you know, has been really punchless since they let let Brantley go, and uh, that was a, that was a disaster for them, man. Letting him get out of there. Pat, will there come uh, a point don't... at all where the Twins regret trading Bruzdar Gratterall for Kenta Maeda? I don't think so. I, I I don't think so. I was thinking maybe, but uh, you got him for three more years, guys, and he's uh, you know he's not going to pitch two hundred innings, but he'll pitch one hundred fifty or one hundred sixty. And uh, man, that's a good breaking ball he's got. I just uh, I just love the way he throws that pitch, and it's just kind of smooth and uh, 
and uh, I, I don't think so. I don't know. Gratterall's been okay so far, right? But not great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's fine. Yeah, he's and, he, and he's a really and it looks like he's a reliever. I, I don't yep. think so. I was wondering a little earlier. I I I, I only saw him like twice in spring training. And then in an inner squad game, and then, and all I'd seen was, you know, his reputation was as a nibbler. And a couple of times I saw him, it looked like a short uh, Kirk Gibson, uh, you know, Gibson, uh, Kyle Gibson, but uh, Kirk Gibson. Yeah, Kyle Gibson, I get him screwed up. Kyle Gibson. They are very very similar like, careers, Kirk and Kyle Gibson. Yes, yeah. yes. Both is. competitors, too. <laughs> Intense <laughs> competitors. <laughs> Kyle was an incredible competitor. They were both involved in home runs. Uh by the way, I didn't look to see how Lance Lynn did last night. No. 137 ER. <laughs> yeah, he might be traded, Pat. What the hell is this? He might be traded by Monday. This is a, guess what? They're going to get more for him than the Twins did. Hell yeah. Yeah. All right, so Texas, even though they're 500, has given up. Or, no, wait, they're 11 and 17. They're not 500. They're. The, uh, the American League. You look at the American League. You pretty well, you pretty well got your eight playoff teams already, unless something yes. happens. There's, uh, yeah, you know, there's a there's a clear demarcation line, and uh, I think you were pointing out yesterday that in the National League, there's going to be like seven and eight are going to end up being like those NBA teams that used to go to the playoffs, going thirty six and forty six. You know, so. But I, I thought the uh, boys uh, that was a stout effort last night. Although, you know who they don't want to see again? That relief pitcher. Like, what is it? The guy who has like 30 strikeouts in 14 innings or something? Okay, can we talk about that guy? So uh, that guy looks like he's going to cause some problems. He, he's got that like flip the ball up in the air thing well, between pitches. And he's constantly moving. Yeah. On the rubber. Oh, but man alive. That split finger thing he throws. That poor Miguel. <laughs> he struck out. That was old-fashioned worst ever. Miguel. I mean, he hit the whole run. He's been hot, but that ball bounced in the left-handed batter's box at fifty-five feet. It bounced, and he swung at it. That was he had no chance against that. He said, "No, thank you, sir." <laughs> and I don't want another. <laughs> I'm so out of here. The, the, guys the guy's name is James Karinchak, and he wears, oh, for anyone paying attention at home, he wears number 99 for, for the Charlie Cleveland Sheen Indians. Charlie tweeted him, congratulations. Yep. Yes. He, he wears Rick Wildthing Vaughn's number, for, <laughs> which is amazing. He has 30, he's a reliever, he has 30 strikeouts yep. in 15 and two-thirds innings so far this season. So he has struck out, of the outs he has generated, two out of every three are strikeouts. And he made, you bring up that, that whatever that like breaking ball splitter thing is, so so Nelson Cruz was the first batter he faced. He started one of those up at like Nelson Cruz's eyes, and it dove down to the belt. And Cruz like kind of check swung. You think late. The baseball scuffed up, boys. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing. I don't I don't know if it scuffed up, but uh, it was uh, man, it was something. And uh, I saw him. You know, he pitched uh, against him when that first series a couple of times and where the hell did this guy come from apparently it was up last september but i, I, I couldn't remember seeing yeah. him, but, well the indians uh, just constantly the indians just pull random guys out oh we're gonna send clevenger and Plesak out because we just don't need them yeah anymore. and have the kids start yeah. against 10 well, strikeouts the, the other day they called up some kid that i'd never heard of who you know went seven and struck out 10 yep. some damn thing and sunday like his major league debut 
But uh, meanwhile, they don't have any hitters. <laughs> and apparently, they don't have any hitters in the system here. So, uh, wow! If the if you get through, if you, this guy they got from uh, Philadelphia is playing okay, or right Hernandez, or Dodgers, they get him from the Dodgers. Where they get that Hernandez? Caesar Hernandez from? He's okay. And then you got Ramirez, and then you got Lindor, and then Carlos Santana gets your walk. He won't get many hits. Hey, that's it. Hey, I, I'm sorry. I just I have to go back to this this Karinchak guy. I just looked up his. So last year he rocketed through the system. Last year he pitched a double and triple A last year. Pat he had in so he had uh, 30 innings, so 90 outs. He generated 90 outs. How many of those 90 outs in his 2019 minor league season would you guys guess were strikeouts? 56. Judd 65. 74. Holy. (laughs) 22 strikeouts per nine innings was his rate for the full season last year. Wow. (laughs) I don't know how this happened. You know, is he the guy from like Bryant College? Yes, he went to Bryant. How the hell can he be a... Smithfield, Rhode Island. Yeah. The, way, the way that ball moves, I think he might have learned some very important things about physics at Bryant and how to scuff baseballs. <laughs> yeah. I think that might be what Bryant taught him. Maybe, man, alive. It was, uh, it was, it was something. But yeah, it's, they're twenty and ten. They're, you know, I, I'm worried about their hitting and I, they're all these slop ball and relievers driving nuts. And uh, <laughs> and they're twenty and ten, tied for the best record in the American League. So, yeah, uh, I mean, I don't know what to do. You know what? I was just thinking, boys, though, we've never had a peer MVP win a, win a MVP. You know, I never had a peer DH win an MVP award. And if if indeed the BW, BBWAA is going to vote on the awards, uh, that assuming we get to the finish of a season, I, I, I would guess they have. I haven't heard anything different. This could be the year of Nelly Cruz, right? I brought Man. that up on the show. Absolutely, yes. On a sixty-game correct sixty-game season, we're Amen. playing in the field. We're playing in the field becomes much less important. Uh, I think it could happen. Now there have been guys who should have been DHs. Frank Thomas, you know, was on his way to becoming a DH. In one year, he only started ninety-nine games at first base. And you know, Jim Rice won it uh, when he was still playing in the outfield in in his own inimitable style. And, uh, you know, so there's – and, and G- Giambi won it, but he played in the field mostly that year too. Yeah. But nobody – no no nobody that was just a D – yeah. so those are four guys you look at now as DHs, but they weren't DHs when they won it. Well, in the in – the, in Donnie the, Baylor. Donnie Baylor too. He was still playing in the field. Also, so he's tied for – I believe he's tied for the American League lead with Jose Abreu with 11 home runs after last night. So, so a lot of the a lot of the newer writers uh, are are they are looking at least at wins above replacement as kind of a gauge of like all right who's who's performing. So Nelson Cruz right now in the American League is third in wins above replacement uh, behind Anthony Rendon, who's playing for a losing team that's not going to make the playoffs. The Angels, Brandon Lowe for the Rays, who just came out of nowhere. He's like a second baseman outfielder. Yeah. And then Kyle like Lewis with the Mariners is off to a really good start. Yeah, that doesn't matter. They're, and they're not going to so, awful. So basically, and, and then the, behind him, you got to get to Jose Abreu, the next playoff team, and then maybe Mark is it Mark Canha with the uh, yeah. the A's, okay. but yeah. 
But that's it. Like, actually, you know who else is off to a great start and is ninth on this list is our guy Robbie Grossman, who has. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Robbie Grossman has. Listen a, to that laugh, that yeah. evil laugh. Nobody's ever won the MVP because they walked a lot. Robbie Grossman is a 427 on base. <laughs> Analytics darling, Roycey. Swing the bat, you jerk. <laughs> he won't swing. It's amazing. Yeah, Cru- I think Cruz is probably the favorite right now. Analytics darling, Robbie Grossman. Here, Abreu is probably the favorite. But here's the thing about Cruz is what makes him amazing, his first at bat on Sunday, no chance, right? Uh, uh, who the hell was pitching? And then, you know, he, he kind of goes around and has a lousy day, and you guys have left 50 guys on base and couldn't get a hit, and then he comes up in the ninth inning and hits a home run and he's yep. in the ball game because he hit a home run yep. uh, in the ninth inning. He doesn't, uh, unlike Miguel against <laughs> Karanchik, he doesn't give up at bats. He might strike out, <laughs> but it isn't that he can't wait to strike out <laughs> like, like Miguel. I'm swinging at this one if it's in the stadium. Yeah. I don't yep. care. I got no <laughs> I have no chance against this guy. Get me to the dugout. <laughs> uh, Pat, we will talk to you tomorrow, sir. Our another gorgeous day for a ball game. It is. Pitch Tyler Duffy. I'm nervous. <laughs> I'm uh, checking on it. Goodbye. All, All right. right. See you, Pat. Get back Thanks. to me if you find out. Bye. Rapping with Racy. I'm very yeah, this nervous. Dude, think about that. So that dude, this cringe knack or whatever. Yeah. That's that absurd. Dude, but, he, he generated but 90 that, outs and but, 74 strikeouts last year. But that pitch to Cruz, that you're talking about did not move like a human being can move the baseball. Are you accusing this, this Oh, I'm saying of... that ball had a gash in it. <laughs> you know, that, that's so not... They changed the ball out it's every five ball. seconds. Yeah. I'm saying that he took the ball and he put like a... He took some type of sandpaper or something and he <laughs> cut it. Careful, you're going to get chirped out on Twitter for yeah, takes whoa, like whoa, that. Yeah, whoa, whoa, oh, no. whoa. Oh, no. Not that people won't like me on Twitter. <laughs> oh, where do I sign up? <laughs> Uh, that's a wrap on this episode of Mackie and Judd. We appreciate you hanging out with us, and we'll see you tomorrow for Write That Down and an Accountability Session.